you will, this morning, if you will take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. As you are turning there and preparing, also Luke 5, but if you will place your ribbon or your thumb or your bulletin, go to the Old Testament as well, to Numbers 5 as well. Um, Anyways, as you're returning this morning and preparing for the Word, let me remind you a few things on the Lord's Supper, that as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper this morning, know that our church, um, we we practice open communion. If you are not a member of our church, uh, you are able to participate, but we ask that you are a faithful believer, baptized believer, uh, faithful in some other church if you're visiting with us, and that uh, there is not unconfessed sin in your life. The Bible is very clear that as we come to the table, we are to confess our sins, and if there's any anger or malice that we have towards somebody, we are to deal with that, and so we want to encourage you to do that. Um, Also, just remind you that we we do ask with children that they are baptized believers. and so, parents, this is, this is uh, your responsibility to oversee that. And so I just want to remind you of that. But let us, during this time, be sure to uh, prepare our hearts. Luke chapter 5, and, and I want to jump in this morning. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Can you read with me? It says, While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and he touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to him to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. As we come to our text, this, this wonderful story of this man who finds healing of his leprosy, uh, we need to put this in context from the last few weeks. And so in chapter 4, we began to see the, the ministry of Jesus as he is going from synagogue to synagogue in Galilee, and he is preaching and teaching, and we saw that he is healing people. And so this, this event takes place, uh, there's some time that takes place between the calling of Peter and them and that. I'm not sure exactly how much time, people will differ on that, but some time has taken place. But it's enough time that the momentum of Jesus' ministry is beginning to build. It's beginning to build. People are, are hearing of the wonderful, powerful messages the authority of Christ in his preaching. They're, they're beginning to hear of the miraculous, supernatural uh, miracles that he is performing. And so the momentum is building and the crowds are gathering. You see it even there at the end, there in verse 15. They're beginning to gather more and more to, around this man. And so as they gather, as they get larger, the healings are getting greater. And so there are more and more sick people coming and more and more of them coming with the worst kinds of sickness, the worst kinds of diseases and problems. Such is an example of this in our text this morning. You have a man who comes who, as Dr. Luke describes, and we'll, we'll look at this in depth in just a moment, he is covered with leprosy, a disease that is so bad that you were treated as though you were already dead. 
Literally, you are, they looked at you as though you were the walking dead. That, you know, in our day, that's a, a, a TV show for zombies or whatever. But, but in their day, that is leprosy. You are, you are treated as though your life is it. it there, it's in vain. There's nothing else for you. And so this was such a grave disease that for Jesus to have come in contact with it should have or could have ended his ministry on the spot. Him touching this man, defiling himself and cutting him off, cutting him off from the rest of society, the ones that he has come to save. Yet Jesus is no ordinary man. We have already seen throughout the first four chapters that he is more than a man. He is the the God-man. And so this encounter uh, that Luke gives us uh, of the holy, sinless Son of God, he shows us that Christ can cleanse the worst of sinners. Now, I've entitled uh, the sermon this morning, The Messiah and the Leper. The Messiah and the Leper. And so here's the big idea. As we walk through these verses, the big idea is this. Jesus heals a leper, the worst kind of leper testifying to Israel's leaders that he is the Messiah who is willing and able to make the unclean clean. I'll say it again. Jesus heals a leper, testifying to Israel's leaders that he is the Messiah who has come and is willing and able to make the unclean clean. And beloved, it is my hope this morning that as we walk through these verses, as we expound this text, that you will see Christ as the one who can cleanse and heal you of your sin problem, and that you would become a testimony of his willingness and obedience, his willingness and his ability to save sinners. My, my prayer is, is that if you are an individual this morning, that you are dealing with sin, either you are in your unbelief and you're unsaved, or you are a Christian who has a sin problem that you cannot, you just cannot seem to overcome, that through this text and through the preaching of this, that you will see that your answer in overcoming this is found in Christ and Christ alone, which then becomes a testimony to the whole world. And so I want you to see three main points, and then I'm going to do the application at the end this morning. I want you to see the leper's condition, the Messiah's touch, and the leper's testimony. The leper's condition, the Messiah's touch, and then the leper's testimony, and then we'll close it out with some application. And so again, let's look at this. Let's look at the leper's condition there in verse 12. Notice what Luke tells us. He says, while he was in one of the cities, so he's preaching, notice that next word. He says, behold. Behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. We've already seen through our, through our walk through the last four chapters that Luke, when he uses this word, he is drawing our attention to something. This word, behold, is actually a command. It is written in, 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 a, in a command form. It is calling not, you know, the, le- the guy with leprosy or Jesus or anything. He's calling you. He is commanding you and I to behold the man that is covered in leprosy. Now, as we come to this... Notice that Dr. Luke gives us uh, a little bit, a little description here. He says that he is covered. That word means fully. It means abounding. In other words, he is covered from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He has the, the worst case, the, the intense case uh, of leprosy here. So this tells us a couple of things. First, that it is a severe case, but also secondly, that this is a man who has been a leper for a long time. The fact that the leprosy has, has progressed to this point, that his entire body is covered, and it would mean that he hasn't been a leper for a short period, but probably a long period of time, feeling not only the physical effects, but the social and spiritual effects, of which we'll look at in just a moment. 
Now, what do we know about leprosy? We know that it is a skin disease with red sores that begins to spread. It starts out with one and it begins to spread throughout the whole body. Now, I remember as a teenager and as a child always hearing of how leprosy and it was rotting flesh and your fingers would fall off and all of those things. Here's the deal. What we've learned over that, and they learned it here in Louisiana, uh, some of the, the most per, uh, profound doctors in this field have had, you know, down south Louisiana, have had uh, a place there which they have examined and worked with people with leprosy, is that it's not a rotting infection that, as some have thought. But instead, it is a disease that does progress, and it can cause outward deformities, but its main issue, the main effect it has on you is, is it, may, it takes away your feeling. It takes away, it destroys the, the nerves in your skin, in your body, and so therefore you are numb. You cannot feel anything. Dr. Paul Brand, one of the specialists that I was talking of, in, uh, has discovered uh, in his research He's kind of named it this way. He says, leprosy is a painless hell. It is a painless hell. In other words, because you have lost the feeling, the numbness of your body is so severe, it brings about great injury to the body. And you don't even know this. The numbness was so severe that one could burn or even cut themselves and they would never know. No. So his research that he's done, here's a few examples of what he found. He found that there were individuals who would burn themselves, maybe with charcoal or something. One of the examples that he had heard of was a man who had dropped some food or a potato as they were, um, as they were working on something in, the, in some charcoal. He, he just reached in real grab to get it, and he actually had touched the charcoal, but he never even knew it, burning his hand. Others he heard of who would place their hands or even a rag in scalding hot water, and then they would go to wash their face, not realizing how hot it was, and so it would burn their face. People would bite their tongues and their lips, and they would never know. They would scratch their face. They would never know how deep the scratch was. They could even tear and cut off fingers or toes and limbs and things like that. They never even knew. He even heard of stories of people who would fall asleep at night where uh, certain varmints and animals would come in in these other places, and they would gnaw on the individual all through the night, and they would wake up never knowing that something had gnawed on their fingers. Leprosy carries with it some horrible, horrible effects. It's called a painless hell. But it also carries with it social and spiritual strife. If you will, I want you to turn back over, as I told you, to Numbers chapter 5. I, I want to read a couple things. I'll read from Leviticus chapter 13. Uh, if you would like to know more on this, go read Leviticus 13 and Leviticus 14. Uh, there is two very long chapters, but they are very, very good in describing the issue of leprosy in the days of, of the Old Testament and Moses and them. But, but I'm going to read Leviticus first, and then I'm going to read Leviticus 5. So I'm sorry, Numbers 5. So in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, hear these two, the, um, hear, hear these two verses. He says, Moses writes, he says, He shall, the leper, shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. And then now listen to Numbers chapter 5, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel that they send away from the camp every leper, everyone having a discharge, and everyone who is unclean because of a dead body. If you touch a dead body, you shall send away both male and female. You shall send them outside the camp so that they will not defile their camp where I dwell in their midst. 
the sons of Israel did so, and they sent them outside the camp, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses, thus the sons of Israel did. And then the Lord, God spoke to Moses saying. So, so notice that leprosy was so bad that you were considered unclean. It didn't matter if it was your husband, your wife, your child, your mother, your father. It didn't matter who it was. If you got leprosy, you had to go outside the camp forever. Notice what Moses writes. They are to leave the camp for all the days they have the infection. They are never to come back. And it doesn't matter, male or female. It doesn't matter what, how, how close they are in relation to you. They are to leave the camp. And so this has great social and yet spiritual strife. To contract leprosy would cut you off, not only just from the people that you love, it cuts you off from the covenant community. It cuts you off from the people of God. There were practical reasons for this. You know, what they have found is that over time, leprosy is not as contagious as some had believed it was. But, but apparently there were forms of it that could have been contagious. And so therefore you were to go out that not everyone, no one else would get it. But, but ultimately, for our purpose this morning, I want to look at the theological reasons. If you'll notice there in Leviticus 13 verse 46, he says that you are to be unclean. You are to be seen and remain unclean. He says it in Numbers chapter 5, verse 2, but he also says in verse 3, notice, because of the uncleanness, what did he say? You are to leave the camp, he says, so that they will not defile the camp, where what? Where I dwell among them. Now here's an interesting thing, God is spirit, he's not going to contract leprosy, he is God, and so, so it's not going to affect him in any way. So, so the reason that they are sent out of camp, yes, there are practical reasons, but there is a theological, spiritual reason in which they are sent out. Leprosy was considered spiritually unclean. It, it was considered such a defilement that the holiness of God, it was to be separated from the holiness of God, and so they had to go outside the camp. Beloved, this is exactly how the Bible describes our own sin. Just as those who are defiled and unclean could not be within the camp, just because, they, and they had to have the sacrifices to be able to make them right after they were, if, they, if the infection was to go away. The Bible describes for us that, that our sinfulness, that we are very much like a leper. We are spiritual lepers. And because of our sin, just as they were sent outside the camp, doesn't matter who you are, but because of your sin, you were sent outside. So let me read one more passage for you. And I want to go all the way to the right side of the book. Just in case we think this is an Old Testament concept, let's go all the way to the very end, to the, to the, to the next to last chapter in Revelation chapter 21. And I want to read verse 27. Notice what he says. He says, And nothing unclean. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about the new heaven, the new earth. We're talking about entering in and being with God. And notice what God says, and nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into, into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you are unclean, you don't get in. Who are the unclean? You can look back to verse 8, chapter 21, verse 8. He says, but for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral persons, and the sorcerers, and the idolatries, and all the liars... Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What we find here, beloved, is that nothing unclean, just as God sent those out who led leprosy, this individual who comes, he has been living a life 
of complete separation from the people of God, the worship of God, and all of this in the same way we who are sinners are separated. Nothing unclean can dwell in the presence of God. Leprosy was a physical and visual example of humanity's sinfulness. And this is the state in which the Bible describes you and I. Just as this man was covered in leprosy, we are covered in our sins. Just as this man who had been outside the people of God, we ourselves are outside the will of God. We are outside a relationship with God. Just as this man was cut off from the community of God, you and I are cut off from the community of God. You, if you are not a believer this morning, if you are an unbeliever, you cannot come to the table and take of the Lord's Supper. But, but that's just not nigh. No. The unbeliever is a, is a spiritual leper, and he does not get to come to the table and partake of, of, the very, of the very thing that represents the sacrifice of which Christ has cleansed them of their sins because they have not been cleansed. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. It is defilement. Like this leper, dear friends, we are covered in our sores of our sins. We are abounding in sin. We are full of sin. We are unclean. And we are destined to remain outside the camp for all eternity. The evidence of our spiritual leprosy, our depravity as human beings, was put on display this past week, wasn't it? It was. It was put on display in the last in this past election. It revealed how severe and how spiritually numb humanity is. We are numb to our sin. We are numb to a to, to a desire to seek righteousness. There is no conviction, no desire to do what is right. No brokenness over our sin. Even the worst kinds of sins, we are completely numb to. Three states. Voted to murder a child in the womb up to nine months. 231,729 people in the state of Montana voted that if a child survives the abortion, you are not to give it medical attention. You are to let the child die. 231,729 people voted that. They are numb. And many of us are numb because we're used to it. And we've given up on righteousness. And it doesn't even break our heart to know. It should break our heart whether it's nine months or whether it is a a minute, a second of conception, from the moment of conception. We are a nation of lepers. We are a nation of death. But dear friend, do not think that the church is not exempt. William Cowper, the great hymnist, said this. He said, when nations are to perish in their sin, tis in the church that the leprosy began. Let me say it again so you didn't miss it. When the nations are to perish in their sin, it tis in the church that the leprosy began. The infection started with us because we became numb to sin And it only progressed to what it is now. Dear friends, are you spiritual lepers this morning? Are you spiritually numb to certain sins in your life and in your area? Are you numb at heart? How many of you have a numb heart this morning? 
You have no desire for righteousness. You, you just, I just want to go to church and do my dues, but I have no desire to be better. I have no desire to please God. I have no desire to, to sacrifice things which will, which, which will please and honor the Lord. Are you numb in heart? There's, there's sin in your life. And people have pointed out the sin. They've told you you are living in sin, but you're totally fine with it. You're fine. It's okay. You go about your way. I'll go about mine. I'm fine with walking in my sin. Are you numb in your hands, beloved? Are you numb? Are your hands numb? There's no feeling to serve. There's no feeling to, to help people. There's no feeling to work within the church. There's no feeling to, to give uh, financially to the church. There's no, there's no feeling to, 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 to help and work and attend that the church may thrive in his own ministry. How many of you this morning are numb in your feet? You have no desire that you be at church consistently. You, you have no desire that, that you are faithfully walking and being present with the people on Sunday mornings or the Wednesday nights or Sunday nights. That, that, that this is the place that we need to be. And you have, you just, you're okay with sitting at home because you're numb. i got too many other things to do. I'm so tired. I'm numb. Are you numb in your brain this morning, right? Where there's no feeling toward reading the Word. There's no feeling and desire toward studying the Word. There's no desire that I may learn the Word of God. I, it's never enough. I need more. I need more. Are you numb in your lips? There's no feeling, no filter that your words come out without care, without thought. You don't care who you offend or how you sound. Or maybe it's by the other way. It's, it's, it, we just reverse that instead you, you say nothing. You, you speak up never when to hold people accountable. You never speak up anything that is positive. You never say anything that is good. Are we numb in our spines? We have no backbone. And so therefore we have no courage and no boldness to do what is right. Even in our own households and our own churches. In our own communities, we're numb. Dear friend, you are numb. If you are numb in these areas, it means you are covered in spiritual leprosy. Maybe this morning you are an unbeliever in need of salvation. You are one who is numb in faith. You have no faith in God. Or maybe you are a Christian, but you have been living in unrepentant sin. And you keep putting it off and you keep putting off. But you're numb. My prayer is this morning that you would become under conviction and you would ask the question that Paul himself said there in Romans chapter 7 where he said, where Paul says, oh wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I believe it was the very question that the leper himself asked. Who was so numb and so tired of being numb that he said, who will set me free from this leprosy, from this death? And someone said, there's a man in that city, and his name is Jesus Christ. And notice what the leper does. Notice what he does. Notice, secondly, the, the Messiah's touch. Look at, verse, look at verse 13 with me this morning. Notice the Messiah's touch. He says, and he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now consider what is happening in this verse, dear friends. But Jesus is reaching out to touch the leper. Now, now I said in the introduction that this is a one, this is one act of, that had the potential to single-handedly end the ministry of Christ. Why? Because you don't touch lepers. If you touch lepers, you become unclean. 
socially, spiritually, but you also could physically become unclean. You could, you could contract the disease yourself, right? If you touch him, you may get it. And if Jesus has leprosy, then he can't save anybody. He can't help anybody. He can't teach anymore in the synagogue. He himself will be cast out away into the, the leprosy colony, the leper colony, never again to ministry. Jesus, do not touch that leper. You can just imagine Can you imagine that? This man comes to Christ and he comes and he falls on his face. And the Bible is telling this word implore means he's asking him over and over, Jesus, will you cleanse me? Jesus, will you not? Not if you can. He knows he can do it. He's saying, is it your will that you cleanse me? Are you willing to cleanse me? And he reaches out his hand. And as he's reaching out his hand, you can just see Peter going, no, no, don't touch him. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's thinking it. But he does it and something amazing happens. Jesus does not become unclean. The man becomes clean. The uncleanness of this man has no effect on Christ. Did you hear that this morning? The, the uncleanness, the, the leprosy, the defilement, the, the, the sickness of this man has no effect on Christ. The touch of the Messiah is not corrupted by the unclean. Not even the worst of the worst. Not even the worst of the worst of the worst can corrupt and defile Christ. But instead, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God through his touch, make the unclean clean. And beloved, this is something that you will see over and over through the Gospel of Luke. Do you remember chapter 5 of Numbers? Do you remember, it wasn't just the leper, right, that got sent out. Do you remember there were others? There was the, the one who had the discharge, and there was also the one who had touched the dead body. Let me read to you Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 41. It says, And when there came a man named Jairus, And he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet, and he began to implore him, there's that word again, implore him, to come to his house. For he had had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him, and a woman who had a hemorrhage, she had a discharge for 12 years, could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him, and she touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped, her discharge stopped. Do, Do you see what's happening? Could you imagine you being in the crowd and this woman that you know who has had a discharge all of these years and she reaches out to touch your, your master, your rabbi? What would you say? No, don't touch him. If you touch him, he'll become unclean. But notice what it said. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. And Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that the power had gone out of me. And when the woman had saw that, that, he had not, uh, escaped, that she had not escaped to notice, she came trembling and she fell down before him because she was afraid. Because if I touch him, he's going to become unclean. Maybe, maybe something happened. And declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. No longer are you cast out. No longer are you spiritually defiled. But it gets even better. While he was still speaking, someone came to the house of the synagogue official and he said, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. 
But when Jesus heard this, he answered, and he said, Do not be afraid any longer, only believe, and she will be made well. And when he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter in with him except for Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. And now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died but is asleep. And they even began to laugh at him, knowing that she was dead. And he, however, took her hand. Can you imagine Peter and James and him? Don't touch her hand. If you touch her hand, you will be defiled, O oh God. Oh, oh, oh Lord, Master, you will be defiled. And notice he touched her hand and he said to the dead girl, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. She got up immediately and gave orders for her to, uh, to be given something to eat. Nothing can defile him. Not leprosy, not death, not the discharge. Dear friends, you must come to realize this morning that Jesus Christ is the only hope that you have. The law could not save these people. The medical, the medical industry of their day could not save these people. Christ is our only hope for the unclean. He is the only hope for your sinful condition. He is the only medicine that can heal your sin-sick soul. He is the only ointment that brings feeling back to your dead nerves. If you find that yourself that you are one of those who are numb this morning, I'm here to tell you that you will only gain feeling in those areas and grow in those areas until you come like this man has come, like this woman has come, like these parents have come, and you implore the one who has the ability to overcome uncleanness and to bring feeling and life back into your limbs. And it doesn't matter what sin it is. He is your answer. But I must ask the question, how? How is it that Jesus Christ can make the unclean clean? How is it that he himself is not defiled? So glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, this is what Paul says. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me read it again. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Not a sinner, but to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is exactly what is symbolized in Luke chapter 5. The one who knew no sin, the one who knew no leprosy, reaches out and touches the one who is a leper. He is willing to take on the, the defilement. He is willing to, to deal with the punishment. He is willing to deal with the effect. He doesn't become a leper. He, he, he doesn't become a sinner. But he is willing to deal with the, with the judgment that has been placed upon us through our sin. And take that sin to the cross of Calvary and die. And so this is exactly what he is symbolizing with the leper. He was not guilty. He was not made guilty. But he suffered and paid the price of our guilt. He was treated as if he were guilty. And he stood in the place of the guilty. And he took their death. The sinless, holy, clean Son of God comes to touch the unclean. What a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. Amen? You were unclean. If you're a Christian this morning, let me, let me just remind you, you, you may have forgotten, you were unclean. And he came and he touched you. He came and bore your sin on the cross of Calvary. Dear friends, this is the gospel, beloved. This is the great gospel that has the power to save. 
Oh, I pray today that you would know the gospel. That Christ takes our sin and he died in place of our sin and he rose in victory in victory and in power that our sin may be no more. I pray that this gospel would bring you to faith. I pray this gospel would bring you to repentance. I pray that if you were a believer this morning, that being reminded of this gospel, you would repent of the numbness of your life and you would come to the one who died for you. But I also pray this morning that you would become a testimony of the great power and the ability and willingness of our Savior to cleanse. Notice verse 14. Now this is, I love this. Look at verse 14. I'd never seen this. He, and he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and, and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded. Now, now normally we get caught up in the, don't go tell anybody, why not? And, we, and we're like, well, you know, he's going to do the, the, the traditional thing, the, the, the Old Testament. He's supposed to tell them to do that. But notice those final words. He says, go, he said, just as Moses commanded, notice this, as a testimony to them. That's the key word. Why is he doing this? He's doing this as a testimony. He commands him to go straight to the priest and fulfill the law of Moses. If you want to know what that is, go, go back and read Leviticus 14. It involves birds and all kinds of other things. But, but there's a, a process of shaving and, and, and physical examination and, and being physically washed and washing your clothes and, and offering multiple animal sacrifices. And all of this was a graphic illustration of how severe our sin nature is. How severe we are, not as just physical lepers, but as spiritual lepers. A graphic illustration of our spiritual depravity and then the, the beauty of our salvation that comes through, through, through the sacrifice of Christ. But this is all law. You have to remember, this is all law. It is, it is a procedure that can never cleanse. As a matter of fact, it was the law that condemned this man. You were a leper, get out. It is the law that condemns this man, but it is Christ who sets this man free. The law can never save, but he goes to the man after he's been cleansed, after he's been made whole by Christ, that he may not be, again, he's not receiving him, but he may have a testimony that the law can proclaim this man has been cleansed. Now, what's truly interesting about this is, is that there are only two to three cases in all the Old Testament in which lepers were healed. We have Moses' sister, and there's another one during his time. And, and then, you know, even Moses himself had pulled his hand out when God was calling burning bush. And then you have Naaman the Syrian during the time of Elisha. You may remember that from, from Jesus' teaching over Nazareth. He told him, he said, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, but none of them were cleansed. There were very, very, very few lepers who ever, ever, ever got out of this. And we only know of a very, very, very one or two that are healed. And it's not like this. Leprosy was not something that you see that was healed. You suffered in it all the time. So you can imagine these priests sitting on the job going, ain't nobody coming. People, I mean, can you imagine? It's like the security guard where, like at the bank where the bank's never robbed. And so you're just kind of chilling. All of a sudden, one day, somebody robs the bank. The, the, all of a sudden now, not only does this guy come in, but more and more people are coming in. And they're going through all of this and they're going, man, you've been healed of your leprosy. How did you find healing? And what do they say? There was a man by the name of Jesus Christ. How did he do it? He touched me. What? Was he defiled? No. He touched me. And he made me clean. And notice what he says. This is a testimony to them. To who? To the priest. To the Pharisees. 
you know what Jesus is doing here? He's telling them, boys, I'm coming. He's letting them know. He wants them to know. He wants them to hear the testimony of his power and his, wheeling, his willingness to clean. But dear friends, I must ask you, what is the testimony that we have this morning for us? If you are a Christian, what testimony do you have that your sins have been forgiven, that you who are outside the will of God have been brought into the community of God? I pray that you would turn your eyes this morning to the Lord's Supper. I want to point you this morning that your test, that one of your testimonies that you have been cleansed and you who were a leper, you who were outside the community of God and you were unworthy to come to the table, you have now been cleansed and the Lord's table, you getting to come and eat, beginning to come and drink at the Lord's table is a testimony to all of those who would see of the willingness and the ability of God to save a wretch and sinner like you. You have been clean, you have been washed, you have been connected to a community of believers and and we who were cast out and cut off have now been brought to the table and we have been fed. We get to come to the table and proclaim that Christ has touched us, that he has saved us on the hill of Calvary, that by his saving work on Calvary and by the command of his word, be cleansed. We have been cleansed and we come to the table to partake of the wine and the bread the very symbol of his own sacrifice. And every time that I get to come to this table, I get to declare the power of Christ and the willingness of Christ to save the worst of sinners. We are reminded today as we come to the table that we too were like this man. We were worse. We were spiritual lepers. But we are reminded when we take of the bread and the wine this morning that we have been cleansed. Let me give you three points of application this morning. First, I would say to you this morning, this man does not deny his condition. Luke says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face. He implored him and said, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. You can make me clean. This man had grown up and he was tired of being numb. You know, we, we hate waking up in the morning and feeling those back pains, don't we? This man woke up every morning and felt nothing. He was tired of being numb. He was tired of being cut off from God. He was tired of his condition. And so he comes to Christ to be made clean. And he says, are you willing? And Jesus says, I am. But I must ask you, beloved, are you willing to come to Jesus this morning? You must not deny your condition. You must not deny your sin. You must not deny your unbelief or, or if you're a Christian, the sins that, you are, that are plaguing you. You must not deny them. But instead, this morning, you must be willing to come to Christ and deal with those sins. I would say, secondly, there is no disease in which Jesus cannot heal. There is no sin. There is no worst-case scenario that Jesus himself is going to fail to cleanse you, to declare you clean. You, must, you may say, well, I, you don't know what sins I've committed. He is willing and able. You may say, you don't know the situation that I'm in. He is willing and he is able. But, but you don't know how numb I am. I have no desire to read. I have no desire to do good. Dear friend, he is willing and able to bring feeling back to your dead nerves this morning. You must come to Christ. And thirdly, I would say to you, believer, go tell your testimony. Go tell your testimony this morning. Go and tell the world of the testimony of your cleansing. And for those of you who are able and willing to take of the Lord's Supper, I would say that this is a great starting place for us. But there are other testimonies in which we can take. 
that we can proclaim. There is the testimony of church membership, joining in a church, being faithful to the church. There is sacrificial giving. There is the embracing of the Great Commission and evangelizing. There is the serving the Lord within the church and so many others. There are many lepers out there today who are looking for a cleansing and they need to see and hear of a testimony of one who can cleanse them of their sin. Go and tell them where you found yours. Go and tell them where you found yours. If you would bow with me this morning as we prepare for our invitation.